I just I want to talk a little bit tonight about a lack of commitment or a lack of commitment to be ready and uh, we see that in the day and age that we live in today we, we see a lack of commitment and uh, in people and we see it in about every aspect of people's lives whether in finance or marriage or or just whatever. It's just there's no commitment. And uh, <clears throat> to make it in this world today, you're going to have to be committed. And uh, you're going to have to get, you're going to have to be, be serious about living for God. And uh, the Bible said he's coming back after a church that has made herself ready, made herself ready. And the Bible talks about an, an unspotted from the world. And um, I think it was maybe Brother Caleb or somebody the other night talking about these heifers that they, I forgot how many they've taken over to the Middle East and they are uh, going over them. Brother uh, Jerry Cox preached about it at Brother Dyke's meeting uh, last year and he talked about how those Rabbis came and they toured several farms, a lot of them in Texas, and uh, they actually got down in the barn, in the corrals, and they went over those heifers with magnifying glasses. With I'm talking about people that knew cattle, you know, looking for one hair that was off color one ear that was misshaped, one deformed hoof. It, they just over and over and out of the thousands of cattle that they looked at, it got down to hundreds. And then from the hundreds, it got right on down, Brother Alley, to just a few that they took back and they're putting them up. And, they're, and this is the way they used to do uh, with the sacrifice. It had to be a perfect sacrifice for God to accept it under the Mosaic law. And uh, that's, that's just the way it was. And they're trying to get back into sacrificing these red heifers. And they're going over them, crawling under them, picking their hooves up, turning them over. They're looking over them with the finest scrutiny that they can possibly, looking for any kind of a blemish, looking for anything that would keep this calf from being worthy of sacrifice and uh, I begin to look at that and I begin to consider the sacrifices that was uh, made before and it had to be perfect and then we even and when the priest went into the holiest of holies they they could not have a blemish they could not have a crooked bone they could not have a broken bone they couldn't have any kind of affliction it had to be perfect they had to be in perfect health and physical condition to go in behind the holiest of holies and if they went in if there was sin in their life if there was some kind of a, uh, a malformity in them they immediately they fell dead 
and uh, they had bells tied on the bottom of the robe and they had a, a, a rope tied to them. And when they heard the bell, uh, the, the, the priest had to continually keep moving to let them know, hey, I'm still alive. I, this, this sacrifice is going according to plan. And if not, they pulled him out by a rope tied to him because he was not worthy to enter in. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that one day he looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. He came down to this earth. He offered the supreme sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the spotless lamb. Hallelujah. He came down and he gave his life that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. Praise the Lord. And I I'm thankful today uh, that we can come to him and he is and believing that he is and the rewarder of them uh, that diligently seek him. I'm thankful that we serve that kind of a God. I'm thankful that he is a God of second chances. If he had never been a God of second chances, Kelly Sampson would not be standing here in this pulpit tonight. I have failed God many, many times. And the Bible said if we sin, we do have an advocate with Jesus Christ, uh, the righteous. We can go to him and uh, uh, and he'll make intercession for us. And I, I'm so thankful for that. And uh, uh, But it does not take away the lack of commitment that we need to have, that we need to understand uh, that he is coming back for a church that has made themselves ready. Hallelujah. He's coming back for his bride. And uh, in 2 Peter 1 and verse 10, uh, I'm telling you something. He's talking about making diligence to make your calling and election sure. He said, wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm thankful today that an, ent an entrance is being ministered to us today in the church by the fivefold uh, ministry that is showing and teaching and preaching uh, to us the way of the Lord. And you can be seated. I got a lot more reading to do, but thank you for your reverence to the Word of God. Uh, but an entrance shall be ministered in Matthew 7 and 13 and 14. Just let me run and, and, and pick that up uh, uh, very quickly. Matthew 7, 13 verse, and verse 14. It said, it's talking about an entrance that's being prepared and ministered to us to show us the way. I'm thankful today that we got a ministry in the apostolic ranks that will cry aloud, they'll spare not. They'll be preached uh, things to us that we don't understand a lot of times and uh, uh, this flesh don't want to accept, uh, but they're preaching to us the unadulterated word of God. Uh, and uh, so this lets me know that not, uh, not everybody's gonna make it that's in the church today. And that's where actually where we're heading here in a little while. But there, uh, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the way thereof is death and destruction. It said, enter in, in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7, at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, 
and broad is the way. Big, wide message. Bringing everybody in. Everybody saved. Just call on the name of the Lord. That's all you got to do. You can keep smoking dope. You can keep drinking. You can keep marrying. And you can keep giving in marriage. And uh, you're going to make it. It got so bad that finally I got up at one of the sermons and said, I, I'm here to inform you today that not everybody dies is going to heaven. You live like a sinner. You're going to be judged like a sinner. You live like hell, hell is your destination. You are not going to die and just enter right into the arms of, of a loving Savior. Broad is the way, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there will be which will go in thereat. Hallelujah. There's going to be a lot of people that choose the big, gate and they're going to choose uh, the great big wide take in everything message uh, because it fits uh, uh, their ideology or their theology uh, about living for God and what it takes uh, uh, to be saved. If the Bible says uh, uh, you know separate yourself uh, uh, from this untoward generation. You need to know tonight uh, that God commands some things uh, of his bride. Hallelujah. When I asked Sister Sampson to marry me and she said, yes, I didn't expect her to keep dating everybody else in the community. I didn't expect her to keep going out with everybody else in the community. She was my bride-to-be. She come home one day and she was working at the hospital and one of the uh, young men there at the hospital, they all went out, uh, went out to, to eat and uh, it wound up her and this young man was the only one there uh, at the eating place. And you know what? When she come and uh, later on a few days told me about it, there was something that smote me in the heart. I didn't like that. And I said, we won't be doing that again. Am I nuts? I said, we ain't doing that. Well, it was, he just asked me, and I know, and his mom owned the, I don't care if she owned five restaurants, we're not going to do that. That's the way God is about his bride. He don't want you whoring around with every other uh, kind of doctrine that there is. He, he don't want you involved. God's got a chosen bride. Hallelujah. Well, you're just a jealous husband. I'm probably the most unjealous husband that there is. But I could get jealous. Hallelujah. But Sister Sampson has been a good wife, a good bride. No, no, no need for me to get jealous. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. But I just want you to know this is the way God looks at his bride. You're his chosen. He don't want you mixed in with everything else. Hallelujah. He's not coming after the world. He's coming after the church. So one of the elders, one of the elders said the church has got so worldly and the world has got so churchy that you can't tell them apart. Well, let me tell you something today. That lets me know uh, that there is a difference between the world and the church. There is a difference between the world, Brother Tony, and God's chosen 
bride. Hallelujah. He don't want me sinning around. He don't want me playing the sinning game. He's coming after a bride that's made their self ready. Enter into the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is this the way that lead to leadeth to destruction and many there will be which go in thereat. There's going to be a lot of people become susceptible to false doctrine. There's going to be a lot of people that's going to take it in and think they got it made and it's going to be all right. And the Bible talks about it, uh, uh, about it leading to destruction. And there's going to be many that find that gate. So if you're sitting around today and you're arguing with the scripture, you're arguing with the word of God when it comes, talks about being separate, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hallelujah. If you're loving the world, flirting with the world, uh, you can pretty much read between the lines here that you're not gonna make it. He's not coming after you. He's coming after a bride that's made herself where? ready because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life I don't think I got to give that up. I don't think all of that is necessary. But you just keep looking for the broad path. You just take your little machete in your jungle world and you keep hacking it out looking for the big wide freeway that leadeth to eternal life. But let me tell you something. If you're living a life that's taking everything in in the so broad that you can't see uh, each side of that. Let me tell you something. Uh, according to this word of God, you're probably not on the right path. Hallelujah. Straight is the way which leads to life and few there'll be that find that. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves and you shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistle? What are you talking about, Brother Samson? There ain't, uh, there's nothing infiltrated into this. There's not, there's not going to be a bunch of brambles and a bunch of brush and a bunch of, uh, uh, of, of, of hybrid bread fruit involved in this. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. You find somebody that never wants to line up. They just can't take the word of God by the, from where they sit down and read it and all the hithers and thithers and the do's and don'ts of the King James Version. And uh, you're like Sister Samson's grandfather. Uh, uh, when Pentecost came to this country, the one God apostolic movement, and they were all uh, of a different denomination. They would plow all day with the mules uh, and then they would go to the brush Arbor meetings at night. Uh, he would come home so mad uh, that he couldn't stand it. He would sit uh, and read his Bible to the wee hours of the morning uh, and finally take his Bible uh, and throw it against the wall uh, because he couldn't find the preacher wrong. He couldn't find him. Uh, he said, If I can catch him out of this book, uh, I'll give him the whooping of his life. Uh, and he said, And then he would mouth and say, I'm not ever going back. Uh, 
in just a day or so they'd be plowing in the field uh, and the neighbor they'd stop and talk and they would talk about different things and they would discuss the preacher uh, he was preaching a lot of things that they didn't like uh, but when they searched in the wee hours of the morning uh, and they found him to be in the book uh, and he was preaching out of the book uh, though it made him mad though he said I'm never going back uh, the neighbor said well uh, are you going down to the show tonight uh, that's what they call the Pentecostal church uh, the show and he said uh, well he said I studied till daylight this morning uh, trying to catch that preacher wrong uh, he said and I couldn't catch him uh, I said I wasn't going back but he said you know I've been plowing and thinking about it I think I'll go back and see the show tonight hallelujah so whether you get mad, whether you can digest it or not, it's infallible. It's the unadulterated word of God. Hallelujah. There's nothing else mixed in. It is what it is. It means uh, what it said. And my Bible, Bible tells me that it's forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah. He's still in the business. It's forever settled. It's still the modern day church that Brother Caleb been preaching about on Sunday morning. It's still the book of Acts is forever settled in heaven. They just didn't speak in tongues when the church was born. I'm telling you, it came in with a shout and it's going to leave with a shout. It's in the word of God. It's forever settled in the word of God. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. How many's ever had a tree in your yard that you just about had enough of and you was just about, Sister Sampson been on me for a year or two uh, over a peach tree that I like to never got that thing uh, to grow. And finally, Brother DJ, I just throwed it in a, in a, a bucket of... Uh, pot and soil out uh, in the in the backyard by a, a little building out there and uh, one year after I went through I guess it went through what they call the stratification stage and it dried out and it went through the cool down and then uh, uh, I guess it, the, just the moisture and everything got right and this tree grew and I piddled with it there along for about six months or so in that uh potting soil and this thing began to grow and I put it down uh, in a corner of the yard. Why did you put it there? Well, that's just where I wanted to look out the window and see peaches growing. Well, that's been about two years ago uh, or three, she's saying four, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig around it and give it a little more time. But uh, brother, I, and I was, I was on the, right on the verge of hewing it down. I, I'm thankful that God could look beyond my faults uh, and he saw really what was in my heart. He just allowed me, Brother Steve Codrick, a little time to mature and to grow up a little bit and flee all that youthful lust. Uh, and he looked beyond my fault and he saw what I could be. Not what I was, uh, but what I could be. And you could probably talk to a lot of people in this community when I was young growing up. Uh, uh, man, don't talk to Brother Walters about my younger years. Uh, well, when they asked him to come, he said, oh no, I know 
know Kelly Sampson. I grew up around him. Oh, no. I'm not going to his church. Well, that was, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. I, I don't know, and he's still coming. Hallelujah. So... Maybe you can look beyond my faults. Hallelujah. And what I could be. But where, so this tree, Brother Colby, come in last year, almost right up in the fall. And he said, Papa, what kind of tree is that down there? And I said, it's a peach tree. He said, well, I seen two peaches hanging on. You know, peaches come off late June, July. Am I correct? And man, this is like September. And he comes in, he said, there is two peaches down there on that tree. You know what? Man, I, I got so happy and I looked at that and I thought, man, I almost cut that down. And this year come along and man, it started leaving out early and that's the problem with peach trees. And then old man Frost came along and nipped him right in the bud. And uh, I don't even think there's two peaches on it this year. So I got on Google and I'd done a little study and it showed it could take three or four years sometimes for this thing, uh, to, you know, to come across and, and do, uh, she's laughing at me. But I, man, I got a lot of time invested in that tree and I don't just want to go out there and dig that thing down. I keep thinking, man, next year we'll have a, 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 you know, a real early frost instead of a, a late frost and I'm going to look out there and I'm going to have to put props under it, Brother Wood, because there's so many peaches hanging on it and when the day that it does that, I'm taking Sister Sampson over to that window and I'm going to say, looky there, baby, get them cannon jars ready because the peaches are coming. Just think if I'd have shut that, cut that thing down. Well, that's the way I feel if God would have cut me off when I deserved being cut off uh, I'm telling you something but he waited one more year and then another year and another year I've just made up my mind I'm going to let that thing grow just to see how big it'll get it's no more worthless than a Bradford pear that all it does is bloom uh, in April and then goes away and now they're even again the law to plant them I'd be better off to have that peach tree hallelujah I'm going to take a chance on it. I'm thankful that God took a chance on me. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to be committed. I want to be saved. I'm not whistling Dixie tonight. I'm not just talking to hear my head rattle. I want to be saved. Man, I made it through all my young teenage foolish years doing all the stupid things that I'd done, driving like a wild man and still drive like a wild man and God's kept his hand on me. Uh, God's had mercy on me. Uh, I'm telling you something, I need to be committed. Uh, I owe God something for where he's brought me from. Uh, he brought me out of darkness uh, into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, get this. Understand, I'm going to keep just bringing this thing on down. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say unto me on that day, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a reason here for a commitment to God. Not about your little petty ideas about what your, your private interpretation of what the word of God says or what you take it to mean. You better know what it means. You better make your calling and election sure. Yeah. 
Because many's going to say to me in that day, I thought I was going to make it. I don't understand it. I didn't think there was nothing wrong. I know the preacher, but I just couldn't see nothing wrong with it. No, because you don't want to bring your flesh under the obedience to the word of God. The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit's warring against the flesh. This is going to go on and go on, and you've got to overpower it. You've got to overcome it. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Uh, and then I will profess to them, you've told your story, what all you've done. Now let me tell you, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sins of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And man, we all know the story since Sunday school. Man, the rain came down. The floods came against it and it stood. It wasn't tossed to and fro with every wind and doctrine. The Bible talks about men and ministers, men in sheep's clothing. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They're going to offer you a broad path. But I want to tell you something. This world likes charisma. You can build your house on the sand, but let me tell you something. When the storms begin to rock against it, the Bible said the one that built his house on a rock, it stood, it stood strong. The wind came and they beat against it, washed against it. And when it was all over, it was like the rock of Gibraltar that stood uh, in one of these ports, and I forget the port uh, uh, that, that, that it's in. I didn't do very good in history, but, uh, you know, I, when the storms have blowed against it, they've rocked, uh, rolled against it, and the tempest has went against it maybe for days. Uh, and when it gets done, and it's, and it's just uh, uh, trickling around on the beach, and a big head of foam uh, just moving around on the little gentle waves, uh, the rock of Gibraltar is still standing uh, right where it stood for many, many, many years and endured many, many storms. Why? Because there is a rock, uh, a solid rock foundation that goes down and though the storms uh, go against it uh, uh, they can't bring it down they can't destroy it and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man built his house upon the sand the rains descended the floods came the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it and when Jesus had ended these sayings, had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority. Not as the scribes, but authority. I'm thankful today for people that preach the unadulterated word of God to me, Sister Greenwood, with authority. They didn't take a back seat. They didn't look at people's faces when it was shriveled up like a prune because they did not like what was, uh, what was being preached, but they just 
hammered right on through. And uh, you, you, Brother Triplett used to say, if it's making you mad, if this is offending you, uh, you come up after church, give me $5, uh, and I'll forgive you. Well, uh, you know, they didn't, what he was saying, uh, the word of God's going to bring offenses. The word of God uh, that we believe and teach of the apostolic doctrine uh, will bring offenses. It doesn't fit the world's fancy. It doesn't fit those uh, that have a love like the wor- love of the world and want to look like the world and fit in with the world and still have a good relationship uh, with the church. But it's a people that has come out uh, from amongst them and made their self ready. Hallelujah. I want to be ready uh, when Jesus comes. Hallelujah. I want to go to Matthew. Let me take in, I want to take in a little bit of the 24th. The 25th chapter is where I'm heading, uh, but I'm going to take in uh, some of the 24th chapter because really I feel like in reading that this 25th chapter should have started several chapters or verses back up in uh, to chapter 24. Let's start at the 30, 36. Let's start at 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves. You know that summer is nigh. He's given them just a little parable here about looking and discerning the times. You know that summer's nice. So likewise, when you shall see all of these things, know that it is near even at the door. And you can go home and and read prior to this and kind of get a full description of what it it is talking about. But it said, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word is not going to pass away. This word's forever settled. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Hallelujah. He's coming. He's letting us know, I am coming back. You're going to have to be ready. But no man knows the day or the hour. Not even the angels in heaven. But my Father... Only, And then it goes on to talk about in the days of Noah. The Bible said they were drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And uh, uh, Noah was a preacher of righteousness and he preached and he preached. And for 120 years he preached righteousness. And for 120 years they acted like uh, they never heard. If they heard, they didn't give heed. Well, it's, it's, it's just a little far-fetched if you think about it. Brother Sampson, an old man building a boat out in the middle of the desert. Yes, that seems a a little far-fetched, but in 2023, as a preacher standing here telling you that Jesus Christ is coming back, some of us have heard that for so long that we can't really wrap our little finite mind around that statement. And uh, uh, we're living and we're preaching and making yourself ready. We're having revivals. We're having uh, children's revival. We're having parking lot services and uh, uh, kids in the park 
and man, we're having revival and we're fasting uh, and we're praying. And uh, but it's just really, uh, if you'll be honest, if you'll just sit and think about it, it can almost seem like a fairy tale. Oh no, brother Sampson. Well, if it didn't seem like a fairy tale to you, you'd be doing everything that you know to make yourself ready. If you really thought he could come in the morning, you'd do a lot of things different tonight. These little petty peeves that you're holding on to and uh, you don't feel like it takes all of this. Uh, if you knew that he was coming in the morning, you wouldn't give a big quack what the world looks like tomorrow and how you don't fit in. Uh, you'd be saying, hey, I'm just going to be ready when Jesus comes. Uh, I'm going to be ready when he comes. Uh, you know, that ain't near as hard to give up uh, as I thought it was last year. Uh, I think I could give up a little more today because uh, I know tonight uh, or in the evening time uh, by dawn he's going to break uh, uh, the eastern clouds and he's going to come back uh, with the shout of an archangel uh, place one foot on the land uh, and one on the sea and declare that time shall be no more. Sister Rita Dawson used to wrote a song and sang, when time and eternity meet. No man knows the day or the hour when time and eternity meet. No one knows. But Brother Tony, we gotta live like he's coming tonight. That's how we got to live. Well, I just need a little time. You've had 2,000 years since a dispensation of grace come in into existence. How much time, more time do you need? You're going to be standing around and you're going to be trying to justify the things uh, that you've already done and your little uh, petty things that you've given up, not really something that means a whole lot to you, but just the little trivial things that didn't amount to how much anyway, man, and you're going to go up and you think you're going to stand there and tell God, hey, I done this and I done that. I gave up Dr. Pepper and I quit drinking coffee. Well, uh, let me tell you something. It goes just a little bit deeper than that, and I'm sure God will honor your sacrifice uh, uh, whatever it is but I'm telling you something uh, you're going to have to come out from amongst them you're going to have to be separate saith the Lord he's coming back for a church that's made yourself ready not a self justifiable church not a church that's justified in their own eyes for everything that they want to do and want to hold on to I get so sick of people saying, this is all I know. I don't know anything else. And you've told them for 20 and 30 years there's a, there's a better way. Got a man in our employment. And I, I, I talked to him. He said, well, this is all I know, Kel. This is all I know. I said, no, it's not all you know because I've told you and told you there's a different way. There's a better way. Make yourself ready. Be a part of this bride of Christ. Oh, God. 
coming of the Son of Man be? For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He starts narrowing things down in the next several verses. What are you talking about? Well, a lot of preachers talk about half of the church not going to be saved. 50% of the church. He starts giving an examples of two. One's taken, the other one is, is left. Uh, I'm telling you something. That's not 50% of the world. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. It's 50% of the church. One, two working in the field. One's going to make it and the other one's going to be left. That's narrowing it down to 50%. That's 50% of the church, not 50% of the world as we'll get on down. Uh, uh, if you want to uh, say, well, I don't believe God is, is like that. Well, in Matthew 7, uh, uh, you, you, you can go and read, uh, you know, where, he, where he's talking about uh, uh, these things. And But when Noah and his family entered into the ark, uh, it was less than one thousandth uh, of a percent of the people were saved. So he's not talking about the world. Two in the field, one will be taken and the other one left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. It's kind of narrowing it down who he's coming after. Which one of those two do you want to be? But know this, that if the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. What's he's beginning to tell us something here. He's narrowing it down. I'm coming back. Not everybody's going to go when I'm coming back. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all of his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in my heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. You think, I'll just do this, and then I'll run back and I'll get right next church service. Who's even here to know that you're going to make it back? The Lord of that servant's going to come in a day when he looked not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. An unjust servant, a wicked servant, a sinful servant. God's going to call your number someday when you're least expecting it. You knew when you started living that you were promised, what, is it 70 years, 75 years, whatever? Man, I'm 68 tonight. 
I'm running down there on that quarter of a tank that I talked about. When you got a full tank, man, you just drive 80, 90, don't worry about nothing, just going and doing, going extra places. You know, I got plenty of gas. I got guys that work for me that have to draw money every day for gas. Every day for gas. But man, you know, you got a quarter, you know, three quarters of a tank, you got five eighths of a tank, then you got a half, and uh, uh, then you got three eighths of a tank, and you kind of get to watching that gauge a little bit, and then it gets on down to the quarter, and then when it's, if you're in that Dodge that I drive, you should have done been to the gas station, because you're in trouble, you're not going to make it. It's kind of a deal, you don't know when it's going to run out. You're on a certain grade of a hill. It runs out quicker. What are you saying, Brother Sampson? The way some of us has lived, we may not even have the 70 years. We're like my own. I got two trucks that really the gauges are messed up. You never know when they're going to run out of gas. We worked on one the other day for a half a day. You know what was wrong with it? It was out of gas. Brother Hammy wished we'd have never put gas in it after he got it going. But we never know. And when we go and we're doing and doing everything that we want to do and pleasing this flesh, and we make the flimsy excuse, I'm trying, I'm trying, I want to do better, and I, I'm going to do better. How much time do you really have? So life may go to sputter and way before you think, especially the way some of us has treated ourselves over the years. So when this time comes down and we look down, we got an eighth of a tank. Thank God for modern technology. The other day, I, uh, you know, I looked down and they said, you got 20 miles to empty fuel low. We were just talking and carrying on and not looking and all over town and looked down. Man, we were out of gas. I got panicked. I was trying to find me a gas station. I wasn't worried about another shopping center or another uh, Goodwill store or nothing else. I, all I wanted was gas. All I want to tell you something. The day and the hour that we live in, Brother Alec, what we need to be worrying about today is not, I need to, I want just a little more good time. I'm going to thank God for the good times I had, but I want to make myself ready because he's coming after a bride that's made herself ready. I want to be ready. Brother Nathaniel just stood up. Up around 80, Brother Puckett getting up there around 80, beyond what God even promised. My goodness. He's coming back, and he's warning us. He's coming back. And I'm going to come when you, think, when you don't think I'm coming. He's going to come after you when you're living like hell, and you think you've got several years to enjoy sin uh, uh, for a season, but then the Bible tells us that life is like a vapor. 
I'm 68 years old, brother. Uh, Steve Codrick, and it just seemed like yesterday. Uh, I was nine years old in 1964, moving to the state of Missouri so I could be a part uh, of God's glorious church uh, in the body of Christ that preached truth. Uh, oh, man, and I, today I'm 68. Uh, oh, 60 years or whatever years ago that that is. But I could tell you, uh, I could just tell you about a couple events uh, and it seems like I went from nine to 68 years old. It's over before you know it. So even at its best, verse chapter 25 of Matthew, starting at the first verse, it said, Then, the king, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps, and they went forth, to meet the bridegroom and five of them were wise and five were foolish that they that were foolish they took their lamps uh, with no oil with them but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps a little extra the lamp was full and then a vessel of oil to go with the lamp the virgins just had a little bit. I'll get some tomorrow. I'll get, we'll get it tomorrow. We'll, when we hear that the bridegroom's coming, we'll run down uh, to the local whatever dealer that sold uh, oil for lamps in biblical times, and we'll get this taken care of. It won't take but just a second to get it right. I want to tell you something. I got a lot of friends that I've had in this world that had just one second, uh, not even a second to get it right, and it was over. I got one acquaintance in this life made this statement one day uh, at the fur house there in Racine and we were talking and they were talking uh, about the good times and the drinking and the partying and the carrying on uh, and he made this statement uh, not knowing anything about God, not knowing anything about church. Uh, he said if I die tonight I've done everything in life that I want to do. And I think back so often of this young man as he was uh, intoxicated in a head-on collision uh, laying out on the hood of the car where the windshield cut his throat and gurgled his life out uh, out on the hood of the car uh, just hours after making the statement uh, if I die tonight I have done everything that I want to do uh, I'm telling you something, we need to wake up, we need to pay attention and know that when God comes after us, there's only going to be one thing in this life that's important, not how we please his flesh, not how we lived according to the flesh, but how we, according to how we live for God and we separated ourselves from this untoward generation. I'm telling you, we lack in this world today people with a commitment that'll say I'll do whatever it takes to be saved and while the bridegroom tarried they all slumbered and slept talking with Sister Greenwood before church about health issues and things that Brother Greenwood is going through and uh, uh, working construction and 
Most of us in this country seem like that's where we, we wind up self-employment, roofing, construction, and, and just whatever. And uh, it's not the best on a body. I, I can tell you that. And uh, But we were talking about this and uh, uh, talking about the her age and Brother Greenwood's age excuse me, my age, and uh, I made the statement, well, you know, uh, I've lived way longer than I even thought that I would live when I was a kid growing up. The way they preached, uh, uh, Brother Plappert, I didn't know if I was going to live to get driver's license. I thought I had done an incomparable feat when I went down uh, and got my driver's license. I thought, man, uh, I thought Jesus was going to come way before I was at the age of 16. That was just day before. Yesterday seemed like in my mind uh, and today it's I'm 68 uh, uh, years old but I'm telling you something uh, just because he's not come uh, when a lot thought that he was going to come uh, my Bible tells me uh, that he's coming uh, Matthew 25 is talking about Jesus is coming back uh, and he's coming back for a church uh, that's made herself ready somebody with some commitment have to look Sister Sampson over see if she has all the material things that the world looks at to know if she's a married woman. She told me over 46 years ago, I do. And she made that commitment. She was my bride. Brother Adam Anthony and she made that commitment. Without that commitment, where would I have been? Where's the church would where would the church world to be without somebody that would not make a commitment? God, I'm gonna live for you. Job said, though God slays me yet, will I trust him? His wife said, you're, you're, you're foolish. Why, 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 do you still maintain your integrity after everything that you've been through? Why don't you just curse your God and die? Though God slay me, yet will I trust him? And yes, I, I still maintain my integrity and you speak like a foolish woman. The commitment. Statistics day today, different statistics, different, uh, different number, numbers, but uh, some say uh, one out of ten. Others say five out of ten is all that makes it in the, in, in, in the world today as far as marriages are concerned. You know what that's from? Lack of, to a total lack uh, of commitment. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, God's the same way. His bride, he's coming back for somebody that's committed themselves to him oh God there's a lot of things in this world uh, that has drawn this flesh uh, and has caught this the, the eye of this flesh uh, uh, been very tempted to get involved with uh, and enjoyable to do but uh, uh, oh there's just something about uh, when I said God if you'll give me the Holy Ghost uh, I'll do everything in my power uh, that was about nine ten years old uh, that I made that commitment to God God, I have failed, I have struggled, but I've got back up. Oh God, give me another chance. I'm gonna make it work. I'm gonna make a commitment to you, God. Though this world passes by, I'm gonna stand for Jesus. 
Well, the bridegroom tarried. In other words, he didn't come as quick as we thought. Thought we had more time. Had an outing at the lake the other day, Thursday night, going to be the shrimp night. No big deal. We'll just stop on the way down and we'll buy a boatload of shrimp on the way down. Well, Walmart didn't have any and this uh, Kings didn't have any and I don't know where all the, they didn't have any shrimp. Got down there and they said, well, we heard that so-and-so over here has got shrimp. Well, we didn't make it to that store. We came in Wednesday night for church and we done a little shopping on the way in. Nobody had any shrimp. Man, how do you have a big shrimp boil with no shrimp? You know what? It took a day or two. But on the way back, we had some ordered and come in and when we went in there and got them and it wound up, Brother Wood, it was colossal shrimp. Now, you know, oh baby, I'm talking about them things was as Brother Ronnie Goswick said, huge. There it was huge. We caught a spoonbill fish and it was, I mean, it was huge. And he had never seen one before and he'd come around the corner and my brother-in-law, Tim, had it hung up by the tail and we were skinning it. It was about that long. And he'd come around the corner and he, he started backing up and he said, oh, that's huge. That is huge. Them shrimp were huge. And we found them, but it take a, took a day or two. Oh well, man, what if we had had a different appointment. What we would have, we would have had one unexpected. Man, Sister Samson, get some of them huge colossal shrimp and keep them in the freezer for the hour that you think not. Somebody may want to have a shrimp boil and man, we'll have the shrimp. I'm telling you something. But the bridegroom tarried and while he tarried, they slept. And they didn't only sleep, the Bible said they slumbered. The closest way I know how to describe that is Saturday morning after three or four o'clock in the morning basketball all night. And your wife tries to get you up at six o'clock, seven o'clock. You better get up, Brother Samson. Brother Turner's coming after that stuff. And I'm thinking, why in the world did I even tell him to come this Saturday? I was so sleepy, I was sick. I was slumbering. I, I wasn't sleeping, I was slumbering. I come so close, just tell him to come Monday. I didn't want to wake up. We get so exhausted, we get so intoxicated with the things of this world, Brother Matt Sigris, that if we're not careful, you ever try to wake a drunk up the next morning? Disgusting. Can't penetrate. You can't get through their thinking. You can't wake them up. They're slumbering and they're sleeping. He's not going to come today. We've been hearing this for days that he was supposed to come. This is the way that it was back in those days when they were betrothed. Sometimes they went and they got the house ready, the tent ready, the uh, wilderness.
this paradise. I, I don't know, you know, wherever they were going to be going. And sometimes maybe he wanted to pay off something uh, and get a little something to offer the bride uh, when he come. But uh, uh, when I come, I'm going to come for you. And that's all uh, that was said. There was no definite time. There was no social media, Brother Brett. There was no Facebook to get on there and take selfies. Oh, and tomorrow is the big day. Look at me. I am ready, baby. There wasn't none of that. You just got ready and you stayed ready because you didn't know when he was going to show up and come. And that's just the way that it was. And this is a scenario that we're dealing with here. Because he tarried, he didn't come, and I think. He probably thought, well, he found, probably found some other old hide down the road and he's not even coming back. But he's coming. I told you I was coming, and he's coming. You know what? Two thousand years ago, uh, exactly whenever Matthew was wrote this thing, uh, he was letting us know that the bridegroom, brother Coderick, uh, is coming back. Uh, he may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. Uh, God's time is not our time. Uh, I'm telling you. But what what we're trying to say? Uh, you better make your time God's time, because uh, uh, he's coming, uh, ready or not. Like we played hide and seek ready or not here I come ready or not Jesus is coming back and at midnight there was a cry made behold the bridegroom cometh go you out to meet him then rose all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said unto the wise give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out but the wise answered saying not so lest there be not enough for us we're living in an age especially in construction and nobody wants to chase a cord nobody wants to fight with a cord coming unplugged they just want that pick up that tool and use it climb a ladder climb scaffold run across the, uh, the building electric chainsaw electric skill saw oscillating saws uh, impact drivers everything uh, it's battery powered uh, but I can tell you one thing for sure uh, anyone that's used one very long for sure uh, they don't just go out there with one battery uh, they'll be talking about man look at this uh, oh that's just a little 2 amp hour battery I got an 8 amp hour battery or a 5 amp hour battery battery and they make sure they've got extra batteries and they got the others uh, on charge uh, why because uh, they don't want to run out of juice uh, these virgins was here uh, it was down to the wire uh, as they come to the music tonight uh, I'm telling you something uh, we need to make ourselves ready uh, we need to make preparation uh, I don't think this is necessary uh, just in case uh, that it is you know what brother Samson does uh, lay it aside I don't want it to contaminate I don't want it to interfere with the marrying supper of the lamb I don't want it to interfere with my meeting of the bridegroom when Jesus Christ comes back after his church I want to be saved sanctified full of the Holy Ghost baptized in his name the only name given among men whereby we must be saved You go, Mr. Sampson, you go where they sell shrimp and buy some of your own. 
And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, I, 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 I don't know you. Fifty percent, half of those virgins. Oh, Brother Samson, I profess Christ. They, they were professing virgins. They were just as pure as the other virgins. They were pure. They were clean. They just was not full of Holy Ghost oil. You got to be full of the oil. You got to be full of the anointing if you want to be a part of this bride. Watch ye therefore, you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Kingdom of heaven is like a man in a, traveling in a far country, called his own servants. He delivered unto them goods. Gave one five talents, another one two, and another one one. And he immediately, you see really why the one that was given five talents was given five talents. You can talk to people with great expectations. They can tell you how to make a lot of money. They know what will make money. They know their ability to make money but so often it never goes beyond those round table discussions campfire discussions fishing trip discussions and the next year at the same meeting the same talk a lot of times in worse financial shape than they were last year when they were talking about this will work this will work this will make money and this will work but it's never put into effect. It never goes beyond the top. And they that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two also gained other two. He that received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents, and we all know the story, gained another five, the one with two, another two, and then the one meagerly, humbly approaches and said, I knew that you was a hard God to please. This is going to dig real deep into the story that I've just related tonight. You think any old way will do. Brother Charlie Wycliffe said, no way will do just as good. I knew you was a hard God to please. And I hid this in the earth. And I preserved it. Then he which received the one talent. I knew you was a hard God and a man reaping where you hadn't even sowed. I knew that, God. God, I know from all the preaching that I've heard in my short life, that you don't want sin in anyone's life. You're wanting a spotless, 
sacrifice. You're wanting somebody that's kept themselves unspotted from the world. I know that, God, but I justify this little sin and I justify this little thing and I justify this little thing knowing, God, that you don't like sin in people's lives. So here's what was yours. And the Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked, slothful, slothful servant, thou knowest I rep where I sowed not and gathered where I've not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers at my coming and I should have received uh, my own money with usury, not somebody else's, uh, my own. But you knowing uh, uh, what kind of a master that I was, uh, you still slopped around. Uh, you still presented yourself uh, a spotless sacrifice knowing uh, that slowfulness is not going to be uh, accepted. What do you talking about brother Samson now is the hour of your salvation now is the time to get right with God not until he waits there'll be another day I'll do it next month I'll do it next year you have no promise as yourself as a person that God's not going to come for you before the sun comes up in the morning what are you talking about brother Samson we need somebody in this church tonight uh, that'll make a commitment uh, and I'm going to make a commitment uh, until Jesus comes uh, until he splits those Easter clouds he looked at that unfaithful slowful servant brother Tim Ryan and he said depart from me the valley cast him into outer darkness weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth when Jesus comes and there's sin in your life and you're holding on to things that you don't want to give up because you you, you don't think it can be proved biblically biblically. oh God when that day comes oh God we've done many great things the Bible also talks about Weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth, fear. You're not going to barge up there like Ike's big dog. The Bible said every knee is going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. And then it goes on to say that the rocks and the mountains are going to cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall on us. Hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne little trivial things that you think is such a sacrifice for your flesh to give up when God's looking at you you're screaming and you're begging and he's mocking he's mocking you I'll mock at your calamity I'll laugh when your fear cometh depart from me hide me from the face of him that sits on the front throne Sister Carpenter they're still not repenting They're still not asking for forgiveness. They just don't want to fess up to what they've done all their life. Hide us from him that sits uh, on the throne. We don't want to face him. Stand to your feet tonight. What are you talking about, Brother Samson? I'm talking about people in this Bible. 
that had a lack of commitment. I sat on the banks of a river. 